And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Throughout this series, we've taken you through the past 20 years of James Dolan's ownership. From the moment his father's company bought the garden... But you have to understand, this is the key issue of his life. His whole life, everyone has said to him, you are nothing and you wouldn't be in the position you're in if not for your father. Through all the different regimes who've run the Knicks basketball operations, Isaiah Thomas, Donnie Walsh, Phil Jackson, and Steve Mills. Just look at the track record. There's a lot of good people that have gone through there and have kind of gotten chewed up and spit out. It's just hard. It's hard to work with them. The results speak for themselves. And over all these years, there's been one constant at the garden. The six degrees of everything that have happened these last 20 years really ends up, you know, with Jim. And I think as long as he is there, you're going to continue to see the dysfunction that has always been there since he walked through the door. On this final installment of Shattered, we'll tell the story of one of the lowest moments in recent Knicks history. The night franchise legend, Charles Oakley, was dragged out of the garden. Now everybody looking over, there, there apparently there's a, there's a Charles Oakley over there. Mike. And how that moment was the tip of the iceberg for the culture that James Dolan has built. Mr. Dolan, you know, and his security unit still have, you know, concerns about Charles Oakley. Would there be some way that they could get a, a page or you know, some notification that Oakley was in the suites? I'm Chuck D, and The Athletic presents Shattered, Episode 8, No Passwords. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. It's Wednesday, February 8th, 2017. The Knicks are making their way through another losing season. The team's star player, Carmelo Anthony, is in the middle of a public media battle with the team's president, Phil Jackson. Within eight months, both will be gone from the garden. On this night, the Knicks are playing the Los Angeles Clippers. Knicks fan Alex Taub says it was almost a distinct buzz in the arena with a beloved franchise legend making a surprise appearance. Like, I always get to the Delta Club early. You know, I make sure I get to pound that food. So I was, I was there for a while, and 
So I remember distinctly like whispering to some, like uh, the, the guy I went with, a guy named Mike. I remember g going in and be like, oh, yo, that's Charles Oakley. Charles Oakley, a player whose blood stained the garden's hardwood floor, showed up that night as a fan. Pre-game, Oakley was mingling with the Knicks fans at the Delta Club, MSG's exclusive bar accessible only for ticket holders with seats around the court. I saw Oakley in the Delta Club, and he was taking photos with fans and stuff like that. He was, like, being very friendly and stuff like that, and eating eating some food and just, like, you know, hanging out in the Delta Club like, you know, most, most people do. As the clock ticked closer to tip-off, Oakley made his way to his seats. The location of those seats were notable. They were just a few rows from where the Knicks owner, James Dolan, sat right underneath the basket. I, I try to get to my seats early because I like to watch people file in. The seats behind Dolan fill up early, and there are usually like, like some pretty interesting people. Knicks fan Ian Schaefer has seats in the lower bowl that directly overlooked the section Dolan and Oakley was sitting in. That one night, Oakley was there. You know, I definitely noticed that. And I remember turning to the, to the person that I, that I was sitting there with, oh, look, Oakley's here. And knowing the history, that it, that it wasn't terribly copacetic between him and Dolan. I'm like, oh, like this should be interesting. There was a story in the New York Times where Charles Oakley was criticizing James Dolan. Mike Volkanov covers the Knicks for The Athletic. Volkanov was at the Garden that night, covering the game for the New York Times. Oakley told the Times, like, that fall, a few months before, he's like, quote, the boss don't like me. You know, there are already hard feelings there even before that. Um, and there's nothing that James Dolan hates more than public criticism, especially from people of influence around the Knicks. Volkanov says that even before that interview with the Times, Oakley was not offered the same sort of pomp and circumstance other ex-Knicks were when they returned to the Garden. You know, you'd see, like, John, you see John Starks, Larry Johnson, Bernard King around the garden, paraded on the Jumbotron, like taking pictures before the game at half court. You know, Charles Oakley wasn't doing that. He was more of an enemy, it seemed like, than he was a friend, despite being one of the most beloved Knicks of all time. And uh, nonetheless, like no, no one could have expected what was going to happen that night. Schaefer says from his close vantage point, Oakley wasn't acting unusual in any way. It seemed like Oakley was at the game to actually watch the game. He walked in and he was not like belligerent at all. Like he came in with a drink, like just one drink, like everyone does, uh, I did, right? So, but but so he sat there and I, I just remember like knowing that like Dolan's seats are like basically three rows in front of him. And you kind of like, I don't know, like there, I got a weird sense something was gonna happen. I, I can't put my finger on it, but um, I didn't think it was gonna be like any kind of confrontation, just thought it might be interesting. Knicks fan Andrew Steinthal says from his perspective in his seats nearby, everything seemed normal with Oakley's presence at the game. You know, the, the fact that in retrospect they were saying that Oakley was being belligerent and like all this, I mean, who knows what he was saying, right? But like from, from the outsider's perspective, just watching it all go down, he did not seem belligerent or angry or whatever. He seemed just like a regular, regular dude who used to play for the Knicks, watching the Knicks. The mood shifted early in the first quarter. Schaefer began to notice something was going on between Oakley and Dolan. You know, Oak is there and he's like, and you can see him like kind of getting into it. At some point, like Dolan turns around and notices that he's there. And it was it was kind of at that point where I like, that's when my, my like the real spidey senses started tingling. I'm like, these guys are going to like jibber jabber. 
You could see, like, Dolan kept turning around, like, in disgust, is what I would call the look on his face. Disgust. At, at no point did, like, that I see or hear necessarily, because I could hear what people say there, like, any, like, direct provocation of Dolan from Oakley. But then the next thing you know, there were guards, security guards, coming in. At least eight security guards, dressed in suits with airpieces in, surrounded Oakley. An NYPD officer was there next to them. An intimidating sight for almost any other person in the building. But the person they were surrounding was Charles Oakley, who has never backed down from a fight. They come out and they're having the conversation with him. And Oakley, I think to a certain degree, understandably, gets angry with them. Like, why are you here? Why are you confronting me? Why are you making a scene in the middle of the game? Because it was most definitely a scene. Like, he's standing up, refusing to sit down, you know, and, and security is clearly asking him to do something. They get a little closer to him, physically. He gets a little closer to them and does the same thing that I've seen Oakley do a million times during a game, which is, like, touch chests, <laughs> you know, <laughs> with the opposition. And I think while it's one thing to do that in a game with another player, I think it's another thing to do probably with a former cop. Uh, you know, so uh, he, he does that, and um, it escalates. Well, everybody looking over the, there. Apparently there's a, there's a Charles Oakley over there right? fight in the, in the stands. Oakley is pinned in, surrounded on all sides by security. The former Nick Great trips and falls as he was trying to sit down in his seat. He gets up, and one of the garden security guard touches Oakley on his arm. Oakley starts yelling, get the fuck out of my face. Oakley pushes his finger directly into the guard's forehead. Oakley then steps forward and bumps his chest into the guard's chest. The other security personnel put their hands on Oakley's back. Oakley pushes one of the guards, chops the arm of another, and then starts pushing more as security personnel close in around him. A guard grabs Oakley by the neck and underneath his arm. Knowing what's about to happen, Oakley gets his friend to take off his watch before Oakley is dragged into the tunnel where he falls down on the ground. For about a minute, Oakley remains on the ground there at the mouth of the tunnel. Some of the guards around him begin pulling at his arms, telling Oakley to get up. The former Nick stays on the ground as he yells back, I didn't do nothing, captured here on the fan's video. Tennis legend John McEnroe, known for his own explosive temper, is right outside the fray trying to play peacemaker. An NYPD officer, in the middle of it all, takes out his handcuffs, pulls on Oakley's right arm, and cuffs him. Oakley holds on to a nearby railing. One of the garden's security staffers starts chopping Oakley's arm. He eventually lets go and is pulled away into the bowels of the garden. What the hell just happened? But was I in attendance the night Oakley was escorted from the building? Yeah, I'm, I'm being political. Yeah. Uh, yes, sitting right by Phil Jackson. Clarence Gaines Jr., then the Knicks vice president of player personnel, was in the stands next to team president Phil Jackson as one of Jackson's former players was dragged out of the garden. You know, Phil obviously a coach. 
Oakley when he was an assistant coach in Chicago. Knew him very well. And you know, Phil went from his seat back just to find out what was going on. And I think he had an opportunity to talk with folks. But that whole situation was a damn shame. Mike Vorkanoff was among a number of reporters who went down underneath the stands where police were holding Oakley. I heard him screaming. I saw him, you know, surrounded by police. I saw Phil, I think, back there trying to, like, calm him down, trying to calm the situation down. And and I think that kind of speaks to the powerlessness of some people at the Garden that aren't James Dolan. Like, Phil Jackson, I bet you in any other arena, if the team president goes downstairs to where the police have... Uh, like a famous guest in handcuffs. If the team president intervenes and tries to calm down tensions and says, it's okay, that would have worked. At the Garden, Charles Oakley still got arrested. Stephen Bondi, Knicks reporter with the Daily News. Security cut me off so I couldn't see, but I could hear Oakley screaming and cursing at the police officers who were arresting him in the hallway. You know, I kind of saw the aftermath too. I remember seeing Chris Rock walking up and Spike Lee and Chris Rock like had this look of just dumbfounded like what the fuck is going on in here I, I remember running then outside of the garden I think it was on uh, on 33rd street and I just saw police lights flashing and I, you know he was obviously being arrested he was being taken away and he was just you know Oakley was like screaming I didn't do nothing while he's cursing outside in that loading dock area and uh, it's, it was just wild Oakley was taken away to a police precinct and charged with a handful of misdemeanors. The charges were eventually dropped as a part of a plea deal. This entire incident happened in the first quarter of the Knicks Clippers game. The players and coaches were left to grapple with what they just saw. Charles Oakley, someone they either grew up watching or played with, being pulled away by Garden security in a violent confrontation. For me, that was tough to watch, you know. Um, Especially the end part when I saw them in the tunnel. You know, that was not fun to watch. There's just so much confusion, and Doc Rivers was there, and obviously he played for the Knicks with Oakley. Like, he was the Clippers coach at the time, and just like, you know, Doc Rivers seemed kind of like taken aback when he had his post game press conference. If I was more looking out, uh, that Oakley's a teammate of mine and then love him. And so for me, that's all I was caring about. I just wanted him to get out of there. And hopefully nothing happened and he got and, and, and it became a safe situation. That's all I cared about. Chris Stapp's poor Zingas had a clean look at everything that happened that night. The young Nick star was at the free throw line, staring directly into the stands as Oakley was dragged out of the garden. Imagine, and you know that happened right by our bench. Clarence Gaines Jr. offered up the possibility that the Oakley incident contributed to Porzingis' growing dissatisfaction with the franchise a dissatisfaction that would eventually lead Porzingis to request a trade out of New York. So imagine you are a player on the New York Knicks, you're Chris Stapp Porzingis, and, and you seeing one of the great Knicks being escorted out in that fashion. What are you to think? You can only ask them that question, but I, I pose it. The Knicks were already in embarrassment around the league before Oakley was dragged out of the garden. But Mike Volkanov says that night, had a ripple effect for the franchise going forward. For the next few months, if not the next like year or two, there was undeniable damage to the Knicks and their reputation from that incident. In the immediate aftermath, the next few months, like free agency cycles, the way that they treated Charles Oakley, the way that there was this lack of this this huge act of disloyalty 
uh, towards one of the like the franchise icons. I think the worst thing you can be in the modern NBA is to be seen as an anti-player organization, and that's what the Knicks looked like. Oakley himself believes what happened to him at the Garden has impacted the Knicks in free agency. In 2019, after Kevin Durant signed with the Nets over the Knicks, Oakley went on WFAN and was asked whether players like Durant don't want to come to the Knicks because of James Dolan. I talked to a lot of guys. I talked to a lot of guys representing two, and a lot of them is still upset about what happened two years ago. I don't know, you know, people respect me, and a lot of stuff went on, went right. Like, we can't talk about the 90s Knicks and not put Oakley Stark's jersey in the rafters. In our conversation with Rich Kleiman, Kevin Durant's manager and a lifelong Knicks fan, we asked whether the Oakley incident had any impact on Durant's decision to choose the Nets over the Knicks. Kleiman did not answer the question directly, but offered up this thought. You can't love Charles Oakley for who he is when you need him. And they're not loving who he is when it doesn't work. And that's not talking about James Dolan. I mean, I have no idea what happened with that. I'm talking about in general. And like that goes for people, period. Charles Oakley is a good dude. He's a necessary dude. He's a loyal dude. He represents the Knicks in New York. He loves it here. He wears his emotions on his sleeve. Charles Oakley not being allowed in the garden is like an insane thing. And yeah, do I think those things like in the literal, does it matter? No. Does it affect things overall? Is it? pointless to to not have Charles Oakley in your corner as a Nick fan in a Nick organization. Yeah, like, yeah, it's Charles Oakley, man. In a statement released the day after the incident, the Garden said that dozens of MSG staff members witnessed, quote, Oakley's abusive behavior that started when he entered the building and continued until he was arrested. Oakley has a different version of events. Stating Garden staffers instigated the incident, Oakley filed a civil lawsuit against MSG that has still not been resolved. Former Knicks star Charles Oakley now suing the team's owner, James Dolan. Oakley says they falsely accused him of being an alcoholic. He has requested a trial by jury and compensation for emotional distress and mental anguish. The impact of that night with Oakley was far-reaching. As we've detailed over the course of this series, Dolan hates controversy and criticism. He's absolutely allergic to controversy. He would just as soon have nobody cover this team. Reporters who covered the Knicks say that they've been tailed in the locker room after writing critical stories. Their big thing was they were always trying to find people that were leaking stuff to you. That was their obsession. They cared more about leaks than winning. MSG has banished fans for chanting, sell the team. Dolan comes up to me and he's, you called me an a-hole. I'm like, no, I didn't. I told you to sell the team. Yes, you did. You called me an a-hole. I was like, if I called you an a-hole. Celebrity fans have been blacklisted from the garden because they sent a critical tweet. It was relayed not to me, but to my publicist that I am persona non grata now from the Knicks organization. Something as controversial as what happened to franchise legend Charles Oakley is going to cause a reaction out of Dolan. You know, of course I thought it was crazy that they wanted to be able to use that same technology to identify Charles Oakley in the luxury suites. Much more on that after a word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We reached out to Madison Square Garden and James Dolan about details in this episode, and they did not respond to our request for comment. When you got to MSG, you just realized like this organization, it's just sort of running itself because the garden sells out. That is a former employee of the Madison Square Garden Company. We are going to call him John. That is not his name. But we've changed his name and altered his voice because he requested not to be identified. John was an employee in MSG's engineering department. John says he was surprised how grimy the corporate work environment was at the garden. They had no smoking signs and conference rooms, stains on car, like just the entire place looked like what would be a boiler room. It was a bunch of people kind of smushed into an office that clearly hadn't been even thought of being renovated in 20 years. The shabby decor of the office was a visible indicator that innovation was not highly valued at Madison Square Garden. I don't want to say it runs itself, that's not the right way to say it, but if something's not broken, um, it won't get fixed. And no one is looking at it as a as a holistic thing about like the shine of our brand or are our employees happy or, you know, is this a great working environment? Those, those things aren't concerned. There was one work meeting that John proposed a simple fix to improve the way MSG communicates with his customers a small change that would have brought MSG up to date with other major venues. But John says a more senior colleague quickly killed the idea in that meeting room. And the guy looks over, you know, a gentleman in a suit, older gentleman, and he says, but we sell out. And, you know, I'm like, what do you mean? I mean, we can still serve better recommendations, but we sell out. We don't need to do anything. We don't need to fix anything. There was always this mentality that because the garden is this hub of the Knicks, the Rangers, and you know the, the center of New York for a lot of things, that there was no need to make anything better. So the compliance, complacency, I should say, is is you know was really uh, pervasive. When John came on to work at MSG, he says some of his colleagues gave him some advice if he ran into Dolan. He was told to call him Mr. Dolan. And there were other inter-office stories, almost urban legends, that had built up around different interactions employees had with Dolan. You know, you'll, you'll hear organizations, um, especially corporate companies, talk about being a flat organization or a matrix organization. You ever heard those phrases? MSG is the opposite of a flat organization. They need to create several barriers of people that can talk to Dolan, um, you know, representing other people that know what they're talking about. Uh, because, you know, it's well known that it's a different type of temperature to talk to Dolan about these matters. John says the need to satisfy Dolan touched every aspect of the garden. 
with Dolan, it felt like babysitting. You know, it felt like everybody was aware that there was this man child that had reckless emotional reactions to things without a lot of, a lot of pragmatism or a lot of logic. And, you know, whether it's the chief marketing officer, whether it was a CTO, uh, you know, whether it was the head of HR, they all sort of kind of tiptoed around it. And they, you know, they would say statements that would say like, well, you know how, you know, Mr. Dolan feels about expenditures or whatever the subject would be. You know, there were all of these sequences, small and big, where you got to see just how unprofessional and in some cases careless uh, the organization needed to be in order to satisfy one person. So one instance of that um, is that, are you familiar with what ransomware is? Ransomware. What John is about to lay out is going to get technical. To help translate, we bring in Herb Lynn, a professor at Stanford University and an expert on cybersecurity. Ransomware is some software that's bad for your computer. Enable the bad guy to do something to you that you don't want it to do. The way it works is essentially it destroys your computer or renders it unusable, but in a reversible way so that uh, if you uh, are willing to pay them X dollars, they promise that they will give you a magic key that is a, a magic string of digits uh, that will restore your computer to the way it was before. When ransomware infiltrates an entire corporation, like Madison Square Garden, it can have a crippling and costly impact on operations. A sports business will have lots of information, for example, about its players. Some of the information will, they, they want to keep confidential. They have uh, you know, salary information, scouting reports, and all this other stuff. They have all sorts of stuff about related to the business, ticket receipts and, and, and plans for expansion, you know, blah, blah, blah. And now all of that is shot to hell. So the business has a strong incentive to want to get up and running as soon as it can and recover from this. If they haven't taken the appropriate precautions, they're hosed because the only way they can get the, their stuff back is to essentially pay the ransom. Multiple sources who have worked at MSG tell Shattered hackers have successfully infiltrated the corporation's network a number of times in recent years. In 2016, MSG itself revealed hackers got inside the company's payment processing systems and stole customers' credit card information. Professor Lin says it's not unusual for companies to have to deal with ransomware attacks. In fact, it is completely normal. Everybody who ever uses the internet is being attacked all the time. You and I are talking over Zoom right now. Zoom at this very moment is being attacked by bad guys. Now, their security and the security of their internet service provider and so on uh, is such that it blocks most of those attacks. And though most of those attacks are pretty low level, pretty harmless. Somebody's pinging your system to see if there's an open hole in it or something like that. For the group of companies under the umbrella of Madison Square Garden, there are some unique elements when it comes down to cybersecurity. One challenge MSG faces when it comes to cybersecurity is James Dolan. Multiple sources, including John, say MSG's cybersecurity is weaker than it should be because Dolan doesn't like to enter in passwords. MSG is one of those organizations. People extorting uh, the MSG Corporation for security holes uh, that they have found. And those security holes, at least in the exposure that I had, it mostly had to do with Dolan 
not wanting to remember his password credentials. Multiple sources say that because Dolan does not like to enter in passwords, the company created a special exception for Dolan. A system was created to whitelist Dolan's IP address. Essentially, wherever Dolan was in the world, he could get into MSG's corporate system. No password required. In technology, what you'll do is you may need to, for any slew of reasons, you'll do something called whitelisting uh, an IP. And what, what that means is that, you know, we're able to understand what IP addresses might be trying to access, you know, an application. And when we do that, we can simply say, oh, well, that IP address we know belongs to this guy. So you don't have to require the login. We can already assume these credentials with that. And, you know, the Massasburg Garden Company had to issue credentials uh, or whitelist all of Dolan's homes. <laughs> And because of that, it's the easiest thing for a hacker to jump into that network, find some vulnerability, and then hijack everything that comes into, you know, the Hamptons because Dolan doesn't want to remember his password. Another source intimately familiar with MSG's cybersecurity system says Dolan's lack of using passwords made it easier overall for malicious actors to gain access to MSG's system. The source explained to Shadid that Dolan's dislike for passwords is not an open secret in the company, and there were layers built up within the organization to hide the fact. It's pretty clear that he's not taking seriously the cybersecurity threat that that might impose. Lynn says even though it is not well known that Dolan doesn't like passwords, a sophisticated hacker could still exploit that weakness. Well, it means that if I can pretend to be coming from his IP address, I can get into the, I can do anything that he can do. So all I have to know is that sometimes some people do it. You know, I can just assume, you know, that he, he doesn't do it. That is, I pick any top level corporation, hack their IP address or something like that and, and compromise it. Uh, I, what I need to know is that 10% of the people who are at the top are stupid from a cybersecurity point of view. Dolan did eventually reform his ways when it came down to his distaste for passwords. A source tells Shattered that after some time, Dolan was eventually counseled to change his behavior. The special system that was in place has been improved from a cybersecurity perspective. But still, Dolan oversees a collection of companies whose combined value exceeds $7 billion. And yet, the massive corporation that is MSG left itself more open to the possibility of expensive and damaging ransomware attacks because sources say Dolan didn't like to enter in passwords. What it says is that the company does what the guy at the top says it should. And by definition, the CEO is right. He's the owner. He can do whatever he wants. I, I believe that is the rule in American capital. CEO gets special rules, and they just all have to make accommodations to that and do the best they can to secure the system despite uh, the guy at the top's lack of wisdom about how to proceed. But it's all stupid. I mean, I think they would all say it's stupid. And I think I defy you to find some person to, in, in the IT security community who says that's okay. John says he had another specific experience where work inside the company was being done to appease Dolan. And it had to do with Charles Oakley. So you have a closed circuit network inside of uh, Madison Square Garden and the network of all of the security cameras that port into one central location. In 2017, the same year Oakley was dragged out of the garden, multiple sources, including John, 
say MSG was working on an image recognition system. At the time, we were experimenting with just like archival things, like being able to quickly sort through players. So you have all this NIC footage, hundreds of thousands of hours of NIC footage. When you type in Ewing, ideally, you would like to be able to quickly see all of the video files that contain Ewing in it. But a few months after the Oakley incident, John says he received an unusual request from one of his managers. It was a request that would go on beyond using the image recognition system to sort through archival footage. It was an attempt to use the same system for security purposes. You know, in a, in a dry morning conversation over a coffee, we'll have a one-on-one meeting and he'll say, so how are these, how, how are things going with the Knicks? Uh, and there's a whole variety of projects that I, I may be working on. And then he would say, okay, I have something else for you. So, Mr. Dolan, you know, and his security unit um, still have, uh, you know, concerns about Charles Oakley. So what they're thinking is, would there be some way that they could get a, a page or, uh, you know, some notification that he would be in the suites? And then I would say, well, sure, we could use the closed caption stuff and try to identify something there. Um, we'd have to pipe it through Microsoft, but, you know, that shouldn't be that hard. Could you write something up for me? John sketched out how it could all work. Instead of having garden staffers reviewing security camera footage, looking for people Dolan and MSG didn't want in the building, this proposed system would run all the security camera footage through an image recognition system, essentially having machines replace people as the watchdogs over the garden. So when you have all of those cameras coming in through one central switcher, um, it's possible to use image recognition uh, or what they call computer vision to analyze the video and try to identify things. When you're starting to build something, you collect something called a requirement. You know, this is just giving you the like essentials of what they want. But essentially what the requirement was, was to collect the closed caption security data, run it through image recognition, and match Charles Oakley. If Charles Oakley ever appeared in the luxury suites, then to send a pager notice to uh, the Dolan private security uh, so that he would then be aware that Oakley was in the suites. It is not known how high up this request came from. John left MSG before the project was finished. But it has been reported multiple times that MSG has used the latest technology to improve security and surveillance. In 2018, a year after John's conversation with his manager, the New York Times reported the Garden used the same facial recognition technology that John described to help identify people the Garden considers to be a security problem. Speaking with the Times, a Garden spokesperson did not confirm or deny the use of facial recognition technology saying instead that MSG tests new technologies to ensure the most effective security procedures. Then last year, BuzzFeed reported MSG was a client of a company called Clearview, which specializes in facial recognition technology that relies on artificial intelligence. An MSG spokesperson told BuzzFeed that the company did demo the service, but didn't continue on after the trial run. For John, though, he says the Oakley request was a microcosm of the work culture at the Garden. On a day-to-day -day basis, work was being done at the Garden to make one person happy. James Dolan, 
when somebody asks me in a work setting to do something, the first thing I do is just think about how I would solve that problem technically, because that's, that's the job. Like, how would we do that? But, you know, of course I thought it was crazy. I thought the fact that he walked into the building smoking a pipe was weird. I thought that like this whole like ransom thing went, well, thing was weird. He wouldn't remember his password. I thought it was weird that we had to have a directory so that you could know who everybody was and who everybody reported to because you never knew who Dolan's spies were. You know, like there were all kinds of weird things. Facial recognition, no passwords, are the corporate versions of forced trades and embarrassing signings. They've been fucked up for 20 years. 20 fucking years. That's crazy to say. A new star arrives. Marbury, Lynn, Chris Steps, Carmelo, and they leave. Frustrated, unfulfilled, damaged. Mello, he literally said, y'all saw me go through hell and I watched me come out of it. He felt like playing with the Knicks during that time was hell. A new coach or executive with an incredible resume comes in. Isaiah Thomas, Larry Brown, Donnie Walsh, Phil Jackson. And their legacy is tarnished by the time they leave the garden. I want to say it as loud as I possibly can. I am innocent. I'm very innocent. Over these past 20 years, the Knicks have had moments of hope, but they've been just that, moments. Culture starts at the top. And over the past 20 years, who has been the person at the top of the garden? James Dolan said himself during his taped deposition for the Isaiah Thomas sexual harassment trial. Well, all decisions at the garden I make on my own. <laughs> And yet, despite everything that's gone wrong for the Knicks over the last 20 years, the Knicks are in the playoffs. The Garden is alive again with fans. Julius Randle's Knicks are reminding Knicks fans of what it was like in the 90s and also in the 70s. A team built on defense and toughness. The intensity level is going to rise. The, the level of play, everything is going to rise. So, uh, you know, I'm going to have to be better. Everybody's going to have to be better. Throughout this series, we've cataloged the Knicks' cycle from hope to heartbreak and back again. Here's my hope. I hope this time it will be different. This time, the Knicks can replace heartbreak with wins. Not only that, keep the effort. Stay connected. This time, fans can continue to pack the garden and watch a young team turn into a consistent contender. We'll see whether that hope turns into reality. So far it is. But one of the lessons to take away after all these years is to enjoy the good times. Right now, right here, while they last. I'm Chuck D. It's been a pleasure taking you on this ride. Thank you for listening. And let's go, Knicks! Shattered is executive produced by Chuck D., Lori Bula, and Matt Havia. Mike Smeltz is the producer. J.P. Hesser is the engineer. Tayo Papula is the audio editor. Hey. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.